You are Locked On Packers. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You're Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how Our crossover Thursday is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports, parents fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've entered another league, the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Matt Derry from Locked on Lions joining us on the show a little bit later to talk about a Detroit team that has fired its head coach that is playing with uh, interim head coach Daryl Bevel, who Packer fans will know from his time, uh, multiple teams in the NFC North, his time as the offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. He was in Minnesota. He was in Green Bay briefly. And, of course, is the Rose Bowl winning quarterback for the Wisconsin Badgers back in the early 90s. This team is not very good. But when we look at what the Packers did defensively on Sunday and the pressure that they were able to create, you say, okay, well, but they did it against a Philadelphia offensive line that is way banged up, that is otherwise not very good and against a quarterback that was so bad over the course of the season and in this game that he got benched and they were coming into the game uh, last in adjusted sack rate and last you know by a huge margin uh, and if if you look at you know the some of the top 5 teams in that range in terms of adjusted sack rate Philly is twice as bad as those teams, twice as bad in terms of preventing sacks. So I think it's fair to wonder, is this model that they put together uh, with the the more heavy man coverage, they played twice as much man coverage against the Eagles as they have on average this season. Uh, Zadarius and Preston Smith, of course, requesting um, a, a little bit more simple concepts and just let the let the dogs hunt. And, and let the defensive backs take care of their business. And so what is the future of that approach? Is it a one-time thing against Matthew Stafford, against an offense that is significantly better, against a quarterback who is significantly better, against a, a more veteran group of pass catchers, a better stable of running backs, against an offense that has just been overall better? It's not like you know, the, the Lions have been this outstanding offense. They're 15th by DVOA. They're in the bottom half of the league in, in passing and running, actually. But Philly was 29th. Philly was terrible. And so there is clearly a difference here and a difference in approach when you want to take on Matthew Stafford versus Carson Wentz this season. So will that approach hold up? Is it even smart to continue that approach against a team like the Lions? 
Well, Matt LaFleur spoke yesterday to the media and talked about how much he likes his top three guys in man coverage, Jair Alexander, Shannon Sullivan, Kevin King. And it's not that Josh Jackson can't play man coverage. He's just not as good at it as Kevin King. He is more of a zone corner. And zone is what Mike Patton has predominantly wanted to play over the last two seasons in particular. Matt LaFleur saying, we, I like our guys in man coverage. It is not difficult to read between the lines there. LaFleur has talked at length over the course of this season and going back to last season about uh, dictating terms and trying to figure it out and wanting to get better. And it, it has never been shots at the coaches, shots at the players. It's just, hey, we got to figure this out. But he's made it pretty clear that he has not been happy with the, the approach, the execution, with really anything that this defense has done. And if he has, in fact, gone to Mike Patton and said, hey, look, this is what works. This is, this is the most direct he's been about it. We like these guys in man coverage. Okay, so why are you not playing more of it? And here is my guess. Whether it was before or after this game, Matt LaFleur had another conversation. I'm sure he's had many conversations with Mike Patton and said, look, this is what we're doing. And this is working. And I think this is how we should be moving forward. It is ultimately Matt LaFleur's call. And I think that leads to an important question. And that is, if that is the case, why not make that move sooner? And I think even if it's not the case, it's worth asking, why has Matt LaFleur not exerted his will as the head coach a little bit sooner, assuming we agree that that is his will? Certainly, he agrees that the approach and the execution has not been up to where it needs to be in terms of the standards. Well, if you go back to last year, he's a first-year head coach. He has agreed, essentially, to keep Mike Patton on as his defensive coordinator. And you don't really want to upset the apple cart there. Plus, he is the veteran guy. He's the guy you decided was good enough to keep on. You don't know him that well, but you know that, you know, he did some good work in 2018 with that defense, with a young defense that was just trying to figure things out. He is a respected design blitz coach. He has a designer blitz for every situation. And they didn't really need it last year because of the offseason that Brian Gutekunst had. And then this year, he has a little bit of a, of a different approach. And you trust your guy. You trust your guy to do the thing. And you trust him to get out of it. You know, the same way Mike McCarthy trusted guys like A.J. Hawk and Mason Crosby, sometimes to his detriment. Matt LaFleur, I think, has trusted Mike Patton to this point. The NFC Championship game may have incited some sort of change. And I think the season last year would be reason to say, hey, if I'm Matt LaFleur, I'm looking at this going, look, we just won 13 games, 14 games if you include playoffs. We turn this organization around, change the culture, turn this into a winning organization once again. I've got the gravitas to walk into that office and say, hey, Mike, this is what we're doing. And, and you give them some time. You try and let them figure out. You offer some suggestions. But at a certain point, when the players are coming to the coach and saying, this is what we need to do, and you get the results 
that the Packers got out of that change in approach, then you are empowered as the head coach to go to your defensive coordinator and say, this is what I want moving forward. This is what the players want. Look at how effective it was. And this can be the defense moving forward. And what is in so encouraging is you get the, the contributions from so many different parts of your defense. The edge rush showed up against the Eagles. The interior rush showed up against the Eagles. Kingsley Kiki with a breakout game. Rashawn Gary, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith made a couple plays. You get those guys working in tandem. The, the cornerbacks played outstanding football. Jair Alexander, excellent once again. And you, you trust Shannon Sullivan and man in the slot. You trust Kevin King on the outside. And you've got your safeties now playing at an extremely high level. Adrian Amos is, is so rock solid. And Darnell Savage is turning into a star. There are peaks and valleys with him. It's a little bit of a roller coaster. But the good is so good. And, and LaFleur echoed it yesterday in his press conference. You know, this is something Mike Pettin has said as well. He can be as good as he wants to be. Physical tools, instincts, playmaking, intelligence. He has the whole package. And now that they're putting him in a position to succeed, they can do all of those things with him. And, and he can make plays for this defense in a lot of different kinds of ways. If it is the case that Matt LaFleur has not done this, then my question would be, why not? For all the reasons that I just laid out, all of the reasons that he would have the right to go do that, that he would be in a fair and reasonable position to go do that and not be stepping on your coach's toes because you don't want to micromanage. You know, the best coaches are not micromanagers. They trust their guys to do the thing. But at the same time, there are stories. Bill Belichick, he wasn't in the defensive meetings. He wasn't in the special teams meetings. He's meeting with Tom Brady going, this is how these guys are going to play you. Of course, he is in some of those meetings. But he, he took special time to work with Tom Brady and, and help him understand how defenses were going to play him. Even though he didn't put together the game plan, he put in special time and effort. And Ryan Shazier on the Ringer NFL Network talked last week about how Mike Tomlin, if things aren't working, he goes and he spends more time with special teams. He spends more time with the running game. He spends more time with the defensive backs. That's what good coaches do. They don't micromanage, but if something's going wrong, they say, hey, I'm just going to be here to help. I want to help. Let's figure this out together. And that's the kind of environment that Matt LaFleur has created within this Packers organization, within this Packers coaching staff. It is collaborative. It seems like the coaches enjoy working together. It seems like the players enjoy working with the coaches. So you can imagine there is an environment where Matt LaFleur can go to his defensive coordinator and say, hey, we're playing too much zone coverage. We're playing too passive. And there needs to be a medium ground here. There needs to be a middle ground where you don't give up big plays, but you can be a little bit more aggressive on third and four. Or you can play a little bit more man coverage because, look, our pass rush is really playing well. Or, look, these defensive backs, we know, we trust them to go do the thing. Matt LaFleur has the, the position, the high ground, 
to go do this because of what he's accomplished. Look at all of the stats about the winningest coaches to start. He's the winningest coach to start a career in Green Bay. One of the winningest ever to start a career. He has the clout to have these conversations. And so my guess is this is what he wants based on reading the tea leaves, reading between the lines. And, and frankly, it, it is not a difficult line reading to do. This is what he wants. And then if he hasn't done it, my suspicion is that he has. But if he hasn't, I, w- I would want to know why. And I don't know that he would tell us if it was asked in a, in a press conference. I don't know that he would say, yeah, I talked to, I talked to Mike and, this, and let him know that this is what I want. Because then you're publicly undermining your defensive coordinator. And even if you don't like Mike Patton, you want him to be in a position to succeed. You want him to feel empowered. And so you don't want your head coach saying, oh, yeah, I had to I basically had to read him the riot act so that we would do the things that I want him to do. You don't want that. You don't want that. So uh, it, it is just something to watch moving forward. And I think this Lions game is a good test because if Kenny Galladay plays, the Lions have two receivers who can be dangerous in Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. Quintez Cephas has been a nice rookie this season for them. TJ Hawkinson is a player. He is a, a player that you are going to have to take into account in this game. I don't think he can beat you single-handedly, but certainly he can make enough plays to make your life difficult. No question. You've got all these running backs. Do you want to play man against this team? I think that's an open question. I mean, I don't know that we will find out everything we need to know on Sunday about how this works out moving forward, but you can't sit back and let Matthew Stafford pick you apart in zone because if you if you sit back and, and you rush four and drop seven, he probably will complete a lot of passes. Now, this is a team that is uh, in the mid-20s in adjusted sack rate. The offensive line has not been great. They're playing with some backups. And I think the pass rush is going to be able to do some work against Stafford. Can you make him make some off-target throws? Can you make him uh, throw it before he wants? You know, the Packers got a pick six off him in the first meeting, Shannon Sullivan. So can you, can you, do, I mean, do you even need to change? I think that's a, that is a fair question. Do you need to change? Because it worked last time. I mean, they went down early and then they clamped the Lions. They clamped the Lions. And this happened last year in the, in the first meeting at Lambeau. Lions got out early, and then in the second half, I mean, the Packers gave up, I think, under 100 yards in the second half, and I'm pretty sure it was less than that. So we know that Mike Patton can make the adjustments. We know that this defense can hold this Lions team down. Do you need to make those changes? We'll see. But the fact that they now know that they can go out and do this I think gives them more flexibility moving forward to play however they need to play in a given week, not just say, okay, well, this has to just be how we play. No, I think they can cater it more to the offense. This might be a week where you play a little bit more zone. Maybe you bring some more pressure or you you could say, look, if Kenny Galladay, especially if Kenny Galladay doesn't play, I'm manning up. Jair, you've got Marvin Jones. We're going to shade the free safety toward the other side and, and make make Matthew Stafford have to make throws into tight windows. I mean, that that would be how I would want to handle most teams. I can understand against, you know, an inferior uh, uh, coach, an inferior quarterback. You just say, okay, well, don't make the big mistake. I think that's reasonable. Just don't make the big mistake. And you don't, against Stafford, you don't want to make the big mistake either because he can certainly make those throws down the field that 
can really uh, hurt you in a big way. And that's the one thing that Mike Patton's defense is going to prevent. So I'm interested to see how this all plays out. And we're not going to know for sure in week one. But I think, you know, by by the time the playoff comes around, we're going to know if this is something that the coaches decided was the right way to go. Before we get to Matt, let's talk about our friends at Build Go. Speaking of going. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. It's an easy-to-take, one-and-a-half-ounce package that you can put right in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever. Put it in your golf bag. Put it in your purse. Just have it laying around for when you need it, for when you need to break through that proverbial wall. It's like taking a five-hour energy without the same crash feeling precisely because it's natural, so it's better for your body. It comes in three delicious flavors from the makers of the best tasting protein bar ever built bar. So you know, it's going to taste delicious right now. Go to builtgo.com and use promo code lock to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code lock to get 20% off at builtgo.com. All right. Locked on Packers, locked on lions and NFC North crossover extravaganza, Matt, really. Uh, This is, uh, a game that I think is always interesting. The game after the game with the interim head coach, right? You find out, all right, was was the first week when teams inevitably win, <laughs> right? Uh, is it a dead cat bounce or is it for real? What did you see last week against the Bears that says to you that that maybe there is some some new life, some new juice in this team that they can carry through in a game like this against the Packers? Well, Peter, I don't think there's any question that the Lions are have a looser locker room. Um, you know, Laura Oakman was on the Fox broadcast last weekend saying, I talked to players. They felt like, wow, it, it feels like at Allen Park at our facility. A door has been opened. Fresh air has been breathed into the building. Uh, you know, no more physical toll, emotional toll on them from from works, you know, work weeks of practice under Matt Patricia. Players didn't publicly at least current players, former players have blasted Patricia for years, <laughs> but but no current players came out and said we're better off, anything like that. They like Daryl Bevel, uh, you know, the, the Wisconsin guy who, you know, is, sure. is, is, is a Mormon. He answers every question. He's has been a light at the end of this tunnel for a little while from just a happiness standpoint from everybody. But the bottom line is this. They still should have lost last week. The Chicago Bears still put a 30-burger up on him, and mm-hmm. it took Matt Nagy's ridiculous play calling at the end of the game and Trubisky holding the ball too long and, and Allen Robinson not going out of bounds to get a first down at the end of the game. And oh, things. my God, that play. I, oh, the, Allen, I was screaming at my television. <laughs> it was something else. And, and so with that being said, yes, nice win. They gave him the game ball. He was so ecstatic. The players had energy. But, you know, the bottom line is, is they were down 10 with four minutes to go and out of that football game. So give them credit for fighting back. I said Tuesday again, I have this weird feeling that under Daryl Bevel, they're going to rally and win a couple games that nobody thinks they will. And maybe put Bevel in the conversation and become the permanent head coach, which would be a mistake. But it would be Lion-esque to do that now that the pressure's <laughs> off and they're four and seven, five and seven, whatever. But um, they still don't have enough material. They still are going to have very big issues covering Adams, stopping Jones. Uh, they can't stop the run. I mean, first half last week, here's the Bears averaging 83 yards a game, over 100 yards in the first half. They made yep. David Montgomery look like, you know, Gail Sayers, uh, Walter Payton. So that's still an issue. And, and to me, if the Lions are going to win, 
it's going to have to be some sort of 38-35 crazy shootout win. Which at least it would be entertaining, although I don't think that would be much solace for Packer fans. Um, I, I am wondering, with without Matt Patricia in the building, how everyone's posture is. Matt, can you can you offer some insight on that? <laughs> yeah, you know, Michael Rothstein at ESPN, who got called out a couple of years ago, is, is certainly much happier. Look, this guy didn't do a good enough job. Uh, it's, it's a surprise here for sure that Bob Quinn went as well. I thought that was going to be about 50-50. I think everybody knew after the Thanksgiving game that Patricia was going to get fired. It was a matter of whether or not his boss was going to go too. And now the focus shifts to a guy that nobody really knows around the league, but we're getting to know here in Detroit, and that is Rod Wood, the Mm -hmm. Ford family accountant who all of a sudden has become the president. Well, not become. He's been the president of business. But now they've changed his title a little bit to football operations. Now he's all of a sudden in meetings with the interim staff that's taken over for Quinn. And what what is going on there? Are are they going to really hire a legitimate general manager and somebody in charge of football to take over this thing and then hire the coach? Or is it going to be Robert Sala and then this team of Rod Wood, uh, you know, lightweights under him that run football? These are questions that are legitimate because team owner Sheila Ford Hamp on the day of the firing kind of said, I don't know what direction we're going. And so that scares Lions fans a little bit because yeah. this has happened before. And, and it sounds like they're already working with the NFL to get some help on working through all of this, which worked out so well last time. <laughs> um, let's talk about about the receivers because Kenny Galladay didn't play last week. Um, he, he did not practice on Wednesday. Um, they made what seemed like a, a pretty puzzling move uh, to move on from TJ Hall, who was uh, an explosive receiver, if if not, you know, not a superstar player by any means, but someone who who you could get down the field and, and give you something. And it was purportedly done in favor of getting guys like Quintez Cephas more opportunities. Where where does this receiving group stand now? And, and is is the assumption uh, as we sit here today recording this, that Galladay will be ready on Sunday? I don't know with him. I don't know what's going on. Uh, This hip injury has been lingering. Remember, he's a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Lions with Bob Quinn, um, the talks didn't go anywhere. Yet with Taylor Decker, who was in the same position, Taylor Decker got paid. So I don't know if this is some sort of I'm not going to play unless I'm 100 percent type of thing with Kenny Galladay, who did on his Instagram many weeks ago say you're going to pony up and pay me. So now the Quinn's gone. I don't know. I think DeAndre Swift is going to come back and play this weekend, which will be a huge boost for a boost for this offense. You mentioned the Marvin Hall thing, which was weird getting rid of him. Yeah, sorry, I called him TJ. My apologies, Marvin. Oh, no worries. Um, you know, look, TJ Hawkinson's been the guy. That's going to be the guy mm-hmm. on Sunday. That if the Lions have a chance to win, he's going to have to have a big game. He's been a nice target. He's leading the NFC in a lot of tight end categories, which has been good. Um, but so I would say if you say, well, where is this wide receiver core? It starts with Hawkinson as the tight end. He's been their best target. Marvin Jones has been good as of late and had that big touchdown last Sunday. But if you're telling me Jair Alexander is going to shut somebody down, it, it could be Marvin Jones who just doesn't get off the line of scrimmage like he used to. Um, but they're letting under Daryl Bevel now, the new Daryl Bevel, the interim coach Daryl Bevel, they're letting Stafford, I hate this term, but they're letting him cook a little bit. And they're throwing deep. Open the kitchen. Right. It's so annoying. But they're 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 letting them throw deep some deep balls now. So 
Yeah, Cephas had a nice game last week, so I think the offense is going to be okay. And if they get Swift back, that's huge because he's really starting to come on. Yeah, handicap this backfield for me because they've got Carryon Johnson, they've got Adrian Peterson. Swift has been in and out of the lineup. I, I think the the biggest play that that you know maybe a Packer fan remembers Swift making all season was the play that he didn't make uh, on the drop that cost them a game early in the year. So yeah. what's going on with this backfield? Who can we expect to see get the lion's share? No pun intended, though maybe a little pun intended uh, in this backfield. Well, if he's healthy, and again, he's had some concussion issues, then he was clear that he was sick after that. I think he's going to play. So if DeAndre Swift plays, he'll start, and he's going to get looks just about everywhere. Uh, Bevel has a uh, you know bit of a man crush on Adrian Peterson from their days together in Minnesota. He'll get some reps. Carry on Johnson probably on third downs is their best passing, a uh, pass-blocking running back. But Swift really adds a dimension, and they've kind of let him loose over the last few weeks, although he hasn't played in the last couple but before that, um, he was really starting to come on. So, you know, they still, the Lions still can't run the ball consistently. The right side of the line is an issue right now. Tyrell Crosby injured. Uh, Matt Nelson, undrafted defensive end out of Iowa, who they've turned into an offensive lineman, did a nice job last week against Khalil Mack. But he has to play full four quarters this week at right tackle with Ode Abushi at right guard. Um with other injuries there, the right side of the line is where if I'm the Packers, I put the Smiths and everybody else and, and let loose. All right. So should we get to uh, predictions on this one? And I know you've sort of quasi made a prediction already. Yeah, but I, I might change it. I, I I have gone so back and forth this week on this because I just had this <laughs> weird vibe that just to tick off the Lions fan base that wants them to tank, wants them to lose, wants a new coach <laughs> in here that somehow this – very likable, great guy, and Daryl Bevel is going to keep his job with some upset wins. And the Lions' schedule is difficult coming up. I mean, Green Bay, Tennessee, Tampa, Minnesota, who they never beat. So I, I don't know. I just had this weird vibe about a 41-38 shootout. But again, every time the Lions, <sighs> right, every time the Lions are like on the cusp of thinking they're back or playing well, you know, Rogers hits Richard Rogers, and I was in the building for that. <laughs> on that Hail Mary and, and pops the balloon. So I don't know. What what are your thoughts? We had the uh the anniversary of that uh I think a week or two ago yeah. and there were new videos that I had never seen before making the rounds on that. It there's one angle from like the fifty yard line. It looks like the ball is shot out of a cannon when Rogers throws. I mean it looks like the jugs machine was turned all the way up. Unbelievable. Um here's the problem uh for the Lions is the defense is awful. Correct. Uh, it's it's the worst defense in the league by DVOA. Um, it, it's the worst defense in the league by weighted DVOA, which means the most recent stuff. Um, they're 29th against the pass, 28th against the run. If you can't make this Packers offense play uh, one dimensional, uh, then I just don't know how you're going to stop them. And it would have to be the kind of 41-38 game that you're talking about. But I think for some of the reasons that that we talked about in terms of Kenny Galladay's availability and then those injuries along the offensive line. I mean, we saw what this what this Packers pass rush was able to do to Car I mean, got Carson Wentz benched. Not that Carson Wentz didn't have a, a hand in that um, last week. So I think they found a little bit of an identity defensively. And I, I just I have a hard time seeing how it goes significantly differently from the first time, if for no other reason than I just don't like J.K. Scott may not punt in this game. That's that's the kind of thing we could be looking at. And and to me, it's just hard to uh, pick pick against the Packers in that scenario, especially 
inside fast track. Uh, it, I think it's going to be, I think it's gonna be a fun game though. I, I do think the lions are going to be able to score and um, you know, maybe it will be a, a shootout and, a, and an entertaining game right down to the end. It, it seems like it is that way every time against when it's Packers lions, the, the early season matchup is kind of an aberration for these teams. The last few years. That's right. The lions uh, owned the pack. I'm just kidding. The <laughs> I mean, Deshaun Kaiser's not walking through that door or uh, uh, not Deshaun Kaiser. Who was the other quarterback? No, no, no. That's exactly. Well, Brett Hundley too, Hundley, but Deshaun yeah. Kaiser either. Yeah. The, the bears got them in back-to-back years. Yeah. So yeah. they got, they got pretty lucky with that, Matt. This is this is always uh, a blast to do, and uh, I, I do think we're going to get a good game on Sunday. So we'll uh, we'll have a good one. All right, Pete. Thanks. All right, I want to thank Matt again for joining the show. Love a crossover with him. He is always a fun guy to talk to, uh, even though I think he is dead wrong about the Lions this week. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. All right, we're going to be back with our live show tomorrow getting you ready for Packers-Lions on Sunday. The late afternoon game uh, got flexed into a more national window, but is not going to be uh, a national game. (laughs) You can tell by the broadcasters, no no shots to those guys. It's just, it is what it is. So um, I do love Adam Amin. And if you're a solid verbal listener, I I assume you do too if you're a college football fan. Uh, But uh, it is going to be, I I do think a high-scoring game, but a game that I think the Packers are going to win our live show tomorrow, 5.30 Central on Periscope in your feeds shortly thereafter. Make sure you don't miss it. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.